Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you win the race Christ has marked out for you. 35 years ago, a psychologist from USC's School of Medicine named James Dobson was concerned about husbands not understanding their wife's emotional needs. His research led him to write a book entitled What Wives Wish Their Husbands Knew About Women. Asked to single out just one of those needs, the highest of a wife's needs, he wrote, If I could write a prescription for the women of the world, I would provide each of them with a healthy dose of self-esteem and personal worth, taken three times a day until the symptoms disappear. I have no doubt this is their greatest need. If you Google depression among women, as I have in today's world, the current research suggests that this low self-esteem in wives hasn't changed since then. Interestingly, Scripture teaches that husbands have a major role in building their wife's inner sense of self-worth and are even to devote themselves to cultivating their wife's inner beauty. This episode explains this dual responsibility of husbands. Thanks for joining us today for Season 3, Episode Number 10 of Mission-Focused Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle. In this episode, as we have seen in this series on the needs of a wife's heart, the precision of Scripture's wisdom about a wife's needs is just awesome. Research shows that women universally struggle with low self-esteem, and it just so happens that husbands are assigned two specific responsibilities related to her inner beauty and self-esteem. First, husbands are to devote themselves to cultivating the inner beauty of their wives. Second, husbands are to devote themselves to praising the inner beauty of their wives. Let's look at these biblical commands. First, devote yourself to cultivating your wife's inner beauty. Us, her beauty? Well, listen to these words. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In order to understand this command to husbands, we need to realize that our Lord's sacrifice of himself on the cross had a purpose, to make us holy, without blemish, genuinely beautiful in the eyes of our holy God. Similarly, we are to seek to help our wives grow more inwardly beautiful in the eyes of God to become spiritually mature, more holy, more sanctified. Now, this parallel does not apply to how our brides are sanctified. Jesus is the only sanctifier of our wives, not us. Jesus cleanses wives from their sins, not husbands. But the parallel Paul is pointing to is the goal the end point. We are to be radically committed to our wives' growth into spiritual beauty, that is, holiness. As Peter tells wives, the only beauty that will last forever is the inner beauty of godly character. 
1 Peter 3, 3 through 5, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Every effort we make to help our wives overcome sin and become like Christ, that is, grow in holiness, is an investment in her eternal beauty. What a staggering thought. By doing all we can to help our wives flourish spiritually, grow in the true beauty of holiness, we are investing in her eternal beauty. Back in Ephesians 5.22, the command to love our wives as Jesus did is therefore the command to husbands to be intentional about helping our wives grow in their holiness. The word holy means set apart by moral purity. God is holy, set apart from us, separated from us as sinners because he is morally perfect in all his attributes. So holiness, as something Christians are to pursue, is a general word for specific godly heart attitudes. Below is the specific list of feminine character qualities that God has identified as characteristics of feminine beauty in his sight from three texts of Scripture. This list is for specific ways for us to pray for our wives, not a list we need to talk to them about, unless she might happen to initiate a discussion about her life goals. Several character traits are repeated, but I haven't done so in this list. So first, from 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. Be subject to your husbands, being at peace when she makes her case to her husband and he disagrees, knowing that God holds him ultimately responsible for leading his family and not her. Respectful. Literally, this is the term fear, often translated reverence. It means trusting God to work through her husband when they can't agree. Pure. The word is for chaste. It is focusing all her romantic sexual desires on her husband. A meek spirit. Meekness is surrender to the Lord as a spirited stallion surrenders to the touch of the rider's reins. That's not the husband being the rider, but Jesus being the rider. A quiet spirit, a woman who is at rest inside. It is the opposite of restlessness. She trusts God to work out the details of her life that she can't control. She does good. The good is what is morally right and therefore benefits others. She does not fear. Estrogen matters. Feelings are often more real to women than to us. So negative ones like fear and worry can be overpowering. What about Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 33? Submit to your husband in everything. Submission never means squelching your own thoughts about a leader's ideas or plans. Loyalty means I must help my husband see what I see. 
I think in everything is used by Peter because he knew that those under authority anywhere as church members, citizens, employees, students easily rationalize saying, but I really think what he's doing is wrong. However, unless commanded to violate scripture, the command in scripture to submit to authority are for those times when we think the leader is wrong, not when we agree with the decision. A wife is to be holy without blemish. Lasting beauty, this text says, is holiness. I believe that part of the joy and reward of eternity is celebrating the degree to which we have grown into Christ-like character while on earth. For example, consider Daniel 12.3, which says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Third, wives are to respect their husband. Respect means to consider worthy of high regard. And then from Titus 2, verses 3 through 5, a godly woman is not a slanderer, not repeating gossip or saying what is harmful of another's reputation, not a slave to much wine, which, of course, speaks for itself, is one who trains younger women, the elder women here in view, to be husband lovers. Interesting, loving a man takes training. The older women are also to train the younger women to be children lovers. Loving children is not about enjoying them, but shaping their character, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Paul continues to Titus, they should be workers at home. Of course, Proverbs 31 gives us an in-depth look at these marvelous virtues. And finally, a godly woman is kind. Kindness is fixing your eyes on the needs of others with a sympathetic concern for their welfare. These God-identified, especially attractive feminine virtues are produced, like all other Christ-like character, only through our wife's abiding relationship to Christ, the vine. So what can we do to help that connection stay strong and fruitful? Five ideas. Number one, help her stand under the shower of gospel grace every day. The gospel is that we are far more flawed and sinful than we will ever be able to see, but at the same time more loved and valued than we will ever be able to hope by our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, keep building your connection to Christ the vine so you can love her with unconditional covenantal love, which we looked at last week. A covenant commitment is something that you give your word to God that you will do keeping those promises. And as we saw last week, again, it's the opposite of letting your marriage descend into a consumer relationship, measuring what I am getting out of it against what I am putting into it. Third, do what you can to make it possible for her to stay spiritually refreshed through her own time with God, as well as getting a break from home and work responsibilities. Fourth, be sure she is connected to other women for fellowship, sisterhood, relationships. And finally, pray specifically for God's Spirit to work into her some of those feminine virtues identified above. Praying for God's Spirit to produce virtues specifically mentioned in Scripture brings the promise of answered prayer. Listen to these words from John 15. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the first of the two specific responsibilities assigned to husbands concerning inner beauty and self-esteem in our wives is to devote ourselves to cultivating her inner beauty. The second husband responsibility is to devote yourself to praising your wife's inner beauty. Proverbs 31, verses 28 through 31, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Notice the imperative God gives. She is to be praised. Husbands and children are to give her what in God's eyes is the fruit of her hard work, verbal affirmation. Let her works praise her. Here, we are hit in the face with a fundamental characteristic of a wife. She needs words of affirmation from us. To deny her the fruit of her hard work, praise, is simply wrong. In Dr. Dobson's study of depression among women mentioned earlier in this episode, more than 50% listed low self-esteem as the top cause of depression in their lives, leading him to write, This finding is perfectly consistent with my own observations and expectations. Even in seemingly healthy and happily married young women, personal inferiority and self-doubt cut the deepest and leave the most wicked scars. This same old nemesis is usually revealed within the first five minutes of a counseling session. Feelings of inadequacy, lack of confidence, certainty of worthlessness, have become a way of life, or too often a way of despair for millions of American women. No wonder God follows the portrait of godly womanhood with the exhortation, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Her servant's heart desperately craves appreciation for the innumerable ways that she serves. Here are four reasons why husbands must meet this need for verbal affirmation in our wives. Number one, husband, you are the one who knows her the best, body, soul, and spirit. So your praise carries enormous weight. You are called to meet her human need to feel valuable in a way that no other person can. Number two, life beats all of us down, including our wives. We all fail. We all feel inadequate at times. We all make mistakes. Since you are part of her everyday life, you see these blows to her self-image and are in a position to continually put the soothing salve of tender acceptance on the wounds to her self-esteem that are so painful to her. You are called to love her with a heart of compassion that is like Christ's. Third, your wife lives in a world that exalts youthful beauty and sexual attractiveness, and she knows that age is stealing her beauty. 
So many wives fear becoming less attractive to their husbands, especially, surprisingly, the most attractive ones. Maybe that's not so surprising. Number four, she was created to complete you, no one else. Her God-given designed identity is being your suitable helper. She wants to look nice, smell nice, create a beautiful home for you. Because she was created to complete you, she needs to know that you value her many virtues. If her role is to help you, your assurance that she is the perfect mate for you meets a profound need in her heart. Your words of appreciation may be the only paychecks she receives. How do you feel when you work for a boss who never expresses appreciation for your work? It is stunning to realize that at the time the book of Proverbs was written, when every other ancient culture despised and demeaned women, this book of the Bible, the Bible's practical wisdom, ends with a glorious picture of womanhood. It is written in the form of an acrostic, enabling the girls of Israel to commit it to memory. Since we're so familiar with this text, I want to read it in the simple living Bible version, just to be a little different. So Proverbs 31, verses 10 and following. If you can find a truly good wife, she is worth more than precious gems. Her husband can trust her, and she will richly satisfy his needs. She will not hinder him, but help him all her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She buys imported foods brought by ship from distant ports. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plans the day's work for her servant girls. She goes out to inspect a field and buys it. With her own hands, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic, a hard worker, and watches for bargains. She works far into the night. She sews for the poor and generously helps those in need. She has no fear of winter for her household, for she has made warm clothing for all of them. She also upholsters with finest tapestry. Her own clothing is beautifully made, a purple gown of pure linen. Her husband is well known, for he sits in the council chamber with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments to sell to the merchants. She is a woman of strength and dignity and has no fear of old age. When she speaks, her words are wise, and kindness is the rule for everything she says. She watches carefully all that goes on throughout her household and is never lazy. Her children stand and bless her. So does her husband. He praises her with these words. There are many fine women in the world, but you are the best of them all. Charm can be deceptive, and beauty doesn't last, but a woman who fears and reverences God shall be greatly praised. Nearly every day, doubts about your wife's self-worth attack the most tender, vulnerable part of her soul, her image of herself. Many wives default to feeling inadequate, to dwelling on their imperfections, to doubting their worth to a quiet depression because of feelings of inferiority. These oppressive thoughts invading her heart do great harm to her soul if they are not countered by her husband's continual praise. 
Whether you are good at encouragement or not, she needs this protection. When you see a woman who glows with feminine charm, beauty, grace, confidence, and love for others, you see a joyful woman who is probably receiving lots of praise from her husband. God's command to husbands to look for these virtues in their wives and praise them when they find them doesn't really take a lot of explanation. What it takes is obedience. One author sums up this command in the words, tell her so. He writes, amid the cares of married strife, in spite of toil and business life, if you value your dear wife, tell her so. When days are dark and deeply blue, she has her troubles, same as you. Show her that your love is true. Tell her so. Don't act as if she's past her prime, as though to please her were a crime. If ever you loved her, now's the time. Tell her so. She'll return for each caress a hundredfold of tenderness. Hearts like hers were made to bless. Tell her so. You are hers and hers alone. Well, you know she's all your own. Don't wait to carve it on a stone. Tell her so. Never let her heart grow cold. Richer beauties will unfold. She is worth her weight in gold. Tell her so. To summarize this episode, we examined two biblically spelled out responsibilities of Christian husbands, which also correspond perfectly to the reason Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden. Adam was placed there to cause the garden and those in it to flourish, avad. Picking up on this biblical theme of a husband's responsibility, Paul points out that Jesus, our bridegroom, died so that we might flourish spiritually becoming more holy, both justified and sanctified, the way we were designed to be. Similarly, husbands are to seek to cultivate the holiness of their wife's character, to present her as holy one day to her real bridegroom. The second reason Adam was placed in the garden was to protect it and those in it, Shamar. From the beginning, God seems to have known that our partners, as suitable helpers, would have a constant need to be reassured of their value, which is measured in the inner beauty of godly character. As protectors, husbands need to lavish their partners with verbal affirmation, making it their responsibility to protect as much as possible their wife's precious self-esteem. For further prayerful thought, number one, if you were asked to explain to another husband why it is their job to cultivate the inner spiritual beauty of their wife's character, what would you say? See your show notes for additional questions. Please feel free to contact me at GaryYagle at ForgingBonds.org with pushback, questions about resources, other resources, or additional ideas about how to help men better be equipped for their mission as followers of Christ. This past week's series highlight is entitled How Your Leadership Can Have Impact at Home and Elsewhere. 
The individual messages begin in Season 1, Episode 37, on July 19th, 2020. The titles are Leading So We Impact Others for Christ, Maximizing Our Impact in Leading Others, and thirdly, The Most Neglected Step of Leadership. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in printed format on my website, forgingbonds.org. Also on this homepage is a link to an index of past podcast series and episodes that you might want to listen to if you have a chunk of free time. This episode completes our series, Understanding and Meeting the Needs of a Wife's Heart. Before moving on to our new series, Our Mission to Be Like Our Master for the month of March, I want to address those of you who might be feeling overwhelmed by all that we've shared this month about loving our wives well. I feel overwhelmed too, (laughs) and I teach this stuff. But perhaps our Lord wants us to feel overwhelmed, to drive us to Him for help. Christ's assignment to love our wives as He loves His bride isn't accomplished by resolving to do a little bit better job of controlling our temper or remembering once in a while to thank our wives for something she did. Men's ministry is more than a pancake breakfast and a devotional or a theological discussion over a beer at a pub. Our Lord's assignment as husbands sets a much, much higher bar. Our mission as Christ followers, becoming like Him and devoting ourselves to accomplishing His agenda in every sphere of our lives as husbands, parents, siblings, church members, neighbors, employees, employers, citizens, steward of resources, and ambassadors of the kingdom is a high bar indeed. It is the greatest mission in the history of the world. How fully you accomplish your mission matters eternally. That is why this podcast is mission-focused. But don't feel overwhelmed by failure if you are as poor a husband as I am. Believe me, it is easier to teach these principles than to live them. None of us can meet the needs of a wife's heart without massive help from Christ's Spirit at work within us. And even with much of the Holy Spirit's help, at times we fail because we don't want the Holy Spirit's help. But let us not lower the bar, but keep the bar high for Christ's honor. And when you fail as I do, get up quickly, bask in Christ's grace, and get back into the battle. Remembering that the spiritual leadership your wife needs is not perfection, it's direction. Getting back up and going hard again after Christ. Thanks for listening today. If this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about it as together we seek to swell the ranks of strong, godly men who are leading their families and churches well. Well,